You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. This is another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney, and I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it's Thursday, August 13th, just one day before pads at training camp. How can you control your excitement right now? I have no idea. No, it It is is exciting. It is exciting. It's It's just tempered by all the weirdness. Right. It is the Run It Back Tour officially beginning, but at the same time, there are a lot of things going on that make us say, ah, I just wish this was a little bit more normal, but it is what it is, right? So training camp starts. We're going to make the most of it. We will have your updates throughout training camp in Kansas City at arrowheadpride.com. Got a good show for you. We're going to run through the news of the past couple days. Ron Kopp, one of our writers, is going to join us midway to talk about opt-outs for the Chiefs and how they impact the future of this franchise. I'm going to run through my top training camp battles to watch with pads coming on again tomorrow. And then, of course, as we do on every Thursday edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, I will give you the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. But we start with the quarterback, the MVP, the Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes on Undisputed. Recently, we discussed on this program about a throw-off. I did not have kind words for Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes is treating this whole throw-off a little bit nicer than I am. I think uh, if I'm going to throw off in that situation, I'm going to throw it 80-plus yards. So I know I'm going to put that up there. I know Josh Allen's got an arm, too. I know he can chunk it out there as well. So if he can beat 80 to 83 yards, then he can beat me. But uh, I'm going to put it out there. Uh, I promise you that. And I know that we've kind of talked about it before. Obviously, a different offseason this last offseason, but uh, we might get something to happen in these next uh, future offseasons for sure. 80 to 83 yards, John. When you hear that, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, why aren't they doing it with behind-the-back passes or no-look passes? <laughs> or, I mean, you know, yeah, Mahomes can fling it a long way. We know that. Well, I remember the one where he threw it out of the stadium. That was pretty impressive. But, um, you know, Mahomes' big thing isn't his his ability to throw it deep. It's his ability to throw it while he's off balance and he isn't set and, you know, transfer it to the other hand and flick it 10 yards accurately. This is what makes Mahomes the amazing quarterback that he is. Yeah. Of course he has that bazooka arm. That's his special power in Madden. I I think Josh Allen has something similar and we knew that he could throw it far. We've seen him throw it out of Arrowhead stadium without a problem. And so I don't know. I, I look at this throw off and, and it'll be a fun thing for fans. I, I guess I've, I've recommended that, that Allen doesn't do it. I think Mahomes will win. I just don't see him. Like he's the type of guy that goes to the golf course or plays video games. And the guys in their locker room will always say, yeah, no matter what we're doing, 
he's going to give maximum effort to to mm. win. So I think even in this throw off, sorry, Josh, uh, but but you're right, John. I and 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 you make a good point. One of Mahomes' special traits, and it's probably under talked about at a national level is his ability to be so accurate on the run. I've never seen a quarterback like that. That is this accurate Mm -hmm. on the run. And that's not what this throw-off is about. It's nothing to do with football. It's going to the carnival and seeing if you could win the challenge and (laughs) and win the bear for for your best gal. And maybe Allen wins that. But when it comes to the Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills, I think we all know how we feel about that. The only player I've ever seen anything like Mahomes is John Elway. I mean, and that was why he was the thorn in our side that he was. That on a a third down play, he would scramble around the backfield and then throw off the wrong foot across his body 40 yards to make that play. And that's what drove us crazy about Elway when he was playing. And it's what makes us crazy about Mahomes now that he plays for the Chiefs. John, I know you're not a Madden player, but if you are a Madden player out there, you could probably relate to this where you're playing a guy who among your friends is the best Madden player. And you think you finally have him stopped. It's like third and 14, (laughs) third and 16 or something. And then boom, they get a completion for a first down. That is real life for teams playing Patrick Mahomes. And it has to be so disheartening and so tiring and exhausting when you're a defense and you think you have this guy stopped finally in a game. It's third and eight. And he manages to get a first down on a play where he runs to his left, runs to his right, flips it behind his back, somehow hits Tyreek Hill in the chest. (laughs) And... You're right. I think Chiefs fans dealt with that for a while. That's a great point about Elway, and now you're on the other side of it. So from a throw-off point, we were able to get some pretty nice takeaways uh, on something completely meaningless. So I I feel pretty good about that. (laughs) Well, that's our job. Something that has meaning to it, of course, is Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, not because we're talking about who's going to have the best career because they play each other this year. Patrick Mahomes will meet the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Brady. And he was asked on Fox sports undisputed about that matchup. That team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, they have a lot of talent and they've had a lot of talent for the last couple of years now. And uh, I think when you add Tom Brady, someone who's proven that he can win, uh, win and get the ball to all those guys and and score a lot of touchdowns and also be a great leader, you know that they're going to be a great team. Um, for us, uh, we know the adversity that the season's going to have. I mean, if you look at our season this last year, uh, through the middle part there, we were struggling a little bit, and we were able to kind of come on top and end the season well and then get to the playoffs and, and make a run at it. Um, but you never know what, what, what's going to happen during the season. And so I'm just excited that we have a, a lot of the same players coming back that have dealt with that adversity before, and uh, we'll try to solidify our spot with a tough division, uh, a tough AFC uh, trying to find a way to, to get to that Super Bowl again. And uh, whoever we play there, uh, hopefully uh, we can go out and put our best effort and try to win another one. Mm. Can you imagine yourself playing at age 43? I mean, that's the goal. I- I've talked to a couple of my teammates that have some uh, younger kids, and I always joke with them and I say, uh, I'm going to be playing with, uh, with your kids whenever, you, whenever you're watching from home. And so, uh, I mean, th- to play till 43, you've got to have that mentality that uh, Tom's had. To not only be great on the football field, but be great off of it, be able to go out there every single day and take care of your body. And uh, I've put a good good plan together with my trainer every single year so far, and I'm going to try to do that and get as healthy as I possibly can so that I can be playing at that age. 
couple takeaways from this. The Chiefs have the Bucks for two dates. It says November 29th and then February 7th this year. Well, they'll, they'll have that back-to-back matchup. I, I predict probably the Chiefs go 2-0 and in, in those, even though uh, Brady is down there doing something good in Tampa. They got a complete team now. But the most interesting point to me, John, was the fact that Patrick wants to play until he's 43. I did some quick math. Math is not my strong suit. That's why I became a journalist. But that equates to 19 more years of Patrick Mahomes. When you look at his career, what you've seen so far, what is your best guess as to how many Super Bowls Patrick Mahomes wins between now and what would be, what, 2039? My answer would be more than Brady. You think it's so you think seven or more, yeah. unless you think Brady manages another one, which would be eight or more. Cause it doesn't well, seem but like as you it. noted, that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> uh, so this is also Brady's final year. I look at it this way. I think Andy Reed is going to coach for as long as he possibly can until he, he just can't physically do it. I think you probably get another 10 years maybe out of Andy Reid, maybe a little less if you want to say that. So I look at this in a very much Mahomes and Andy Reid, Mahomes and question mark way. So let's say, for example, there's another eight to 10 years of Andy Reid. How many championships is Mahomes going to win during that time? It might sound crazy, but I don't care. I'm going to go full Peter Schrager here and say they win the championship in half those years. So now you're at five. Now you're looking at the second half of Mahomes' career with five Super Bowls, and he's got a mystery head coach. I still think he's talented enough, and, and you hope that it's with the Chiefs. Who knows? Things get weird toward the end of careers. We've seen that. I expect it to be with the Chiefs, but who's going to be here? We have no idea. It's not fair to guess what is eight to 10 years from now. But let's say Mahomes is now with this new coach. How many can he manage? I'm not as confident without Andy Reid, but I'm confident in Mahomes. So I say, let's say two conservative, three, if we're being aggressive, maybe he does find another connection with another coach and he gets to four or five. Regardless of, of what that is, at least my prediction is, is minimum seven. I think it's, it could be more than that. I think we're just dealing with this generational player. And so just to even be talking about that sounds insane. And and the fact that you can make some kind of logic out of this many Super Bowls, I think it just speaks to to Mahomes again. I mean, right. <laughs> we, we hit this point, it, it feels like on every editor's show where we're just shocked by what we're saying <laughs> about Patrick Mahomes. But it's reality right now. Yeah. Until he proves otherwise, you have to believe it. And I think you're measuring the wrong guy in the Chiefs front office. I I agree. I think Andy Reid's going to coach until he just can't do it anymore. But the guy to pay attention to is Brett Veach, who is a young man and has shown himself to be a very good general manager up to this point. If he can continue to make the kinds of moves that he's made the last couple, three years in his tenure, he is going to be the guy that's stocking the cupboard around Mahomes. And he'll be able to do that for most of, if not all, of Mahomes' career in Kansas City. You know, we have this 12-year contract. There's every reason to think uh, that he'll get an extension at some point and will very likely play for the Chiefs for his entire career. Yeah, Reed will pass it off to somebody else. But I see this more as a situation like we saw with the San Francisco 49ers when Bill Walsh stepped down 
Uh, Seifert was able to win the Super Bowl right after that. When Dick Vermeil left the Rams, Mike Martz was able to win a Super Bowl after that. There will be continuity in this team because of Brett Veach and the way that Andy Reid grooms his assistants. By the yeah. time Andy Reid is ready to retire, he'll have a guy in waiting, ready to take over and continue to operate the, the team the same way Andy Reid has. So I don't think, you know, I think Reid is important, of course, but I think that Veach and Reid's particular skill at the way he treats his assistant coaches is a more important factor in how well Mahomes will do after Reid leaves. Let's continue the hypothetical, though, and, and say it is eight to 10 years from now. Again, hard to predict the names that are going to be available at that time. Sure. Brett, if Brett Veach is, is staying here with Mahomes and Reed is done, that decision on the next head coach is going to be just as important as the idea of acquiring Mahomes in the first place. Mm-hmm. I know mean, Andy Reid will have some say, but reality is when you're leaving, you're leaving and the organization is going to move on. I mean, that's that's the hard truth about the NFL. They're going to make their own decisions. And I think Brett Veach is going to want to make his own decision on that because it may be, and again, we're thinking a long way in advance, but you saw how the end of the Patriots regime, Kraft and Belichick and Brady and that power struggle, like there is some motivation behind Belichick and Brady right now at this, the end of this thing to say, all right, who deserves the credit? It's been a shared thing. Everything's happy joy right now in Kansas City, but we're talking 10 years. We don't know what it's going to be like in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brett Veach may be wanting to say, I can I can still do this without Andy Reid because, look, he's Andy Reid's guy. He started as Andy Reid's intern. And so I just think that that next head coach, that next leader is going to be a huge decision in all of these legacies. But you're right. Uh, Veach is a younger GM when it comes to GM ages. there There is that idea that, you could continue that continuity and, and we'll see how it shakes out here in Kansas City. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are hoping that it, it, it will be all good for the next two decades. But I, I, it's hard for me to think <laughs> that that Reed will be here for that duration. All right. We talked about a very weird training camp. Want to get to some training camp notes that we were able to delve from training camp live with your Kansas City Chiefs hosts, Mitch Holtis and Matt McMullen. So we... We're able to good take Ron radio there. Thank you. We were able <laughs> to take some notes from some of the clips that they put out the other day. I mean, this is 2020 where we're having to watch and try to get notes from what the team puts out. I, again, I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I hope that's not a precedent that gets set for the future when coronavirus is no longer a thing. Neither here nor there today. Uh, Alex Okafor was seen the other day. And so is Breland Speaks. And Breland Speaks, to me, looked a lot slimmer. I think that's a good sign for his future. He had to come into camp in shape this year. This, to me, is his final chance to be an impact player on the Chiefs. And again, we saw a five to six second clip, but he certainly looked like he's in better shape. That's a great sign. Clyde Edwards-Alaris working with special teams coordinator Dave Tobe uh, with the returners, as was Garrick Dieter, Jody Fortson, Tyreek Hill, Elijah McGuire, Justice Shelton Mosley, and Darwin Thompson. This is par for the course. I just, I think I want to see if Clyde can do it in a situation where maybe it calls for it. I do not think that Clyde Edwards-Alaris is going to be the returner, but I guess it is a worthy note. I Saw McCole Hardman with the first team offense and Patrick Mahomes. By the way, the quarterbacks went Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney, Matt Moore, and then Justin Ta'amu. So that is your four. 
in this weird year, I, I anticipate the Chiefs to keep them all here just because you don't want to get down to no quarterbacks. And I yeah. think you need you need to have four in on the roster. I think this, that's a nightmare scenario for every GM and head coach in the league is what happens if all of our quarterbacks get sick. That's the one guy that you really can't right. the other way. Um, yeah, that's that's got to be keeping the, these uh, GMs and coaches awake at night. It, I mean, well, it's keeping me awake at night. <laughs> Ta'amu is an interesting wild card here. He just is way more like Patrick Mahomes than these two other guys. No offense to Chad Henney and, and Mr. Two and One, Matt Moore from last year. But I, I I wonder how soon they could get him ready. I mean, you, you enter a situation here where let's just say week two, Mahomes gets the coronavirus. He's knocked down for two weeks. Who gives you the best chance to win? Well, Tom, who's been in the league before, he went to the XFL and was able to to show out there. Could it be Tom? I, I still tend to think right now that early in the season would be Matt Moore. Maybe that's a little bit different as you get towards the later weeks. Interesting sub, 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 sub angle to, to think about. <laughs> Uh, we saw and got some clues on the offensive line. I'm going to save those until the third segment when we talk about position battles. Uh, Daryl Williams was getting reps with Mahomes in the first team. We saw DeAndre Washington, but it was with Ta'amu or Matt Moore and the third team. So surprising because I have him as my running back two uh, this year, but this is part for the course. They're not going to have Daryl Williams starting with the third team and bring in a free agent and have him immediately taking reps with Mahomes. People are ready to see that Texas Tech combination, including myself, hashtag Reckham, but I think that'll wait for the time being. Uh, first look at the second team offense with Chad Henney, Anthony Sherman, the sausage, Darwin Thompson, and Byron Pringle. And Ta'amu was working with Jody Fordson, Byron Pringle, Garrick Dieter, and Nick Kaiser. Again, we'll talk more about the offensive line in segment three. Anything you take away from those initial broadcast notes, John? I think that the returner battle is interesting because we didn't get anybody who was, uh, as a rookie, we're normally watching for uh, some player that we think Dave Tobe is really high on as a returner who is going to be the guy to take that position. I think it's more likely that this year we're going to see a guy like Pringle or Gehrig Dieter uh, or somebody like that who is ostensibly a wide receiver um, be on the team more as a returner than a wide receiver. Um, just because they've got some different roster decisions to make this year. Um, how do you have depth in the year of coronavirus? You know, how do you make sure that you've got enough players to put guys on the field? So, you're an expert on this now because you've been doing so many coronavirus articles for us. The practice squad <laughs> used to be eight players. It was advanced to 10. Uh, this year, it was supposed to be 12 originally. Mm -hmm. Now we're at 16. Mm -hmm. Of the 16, how many get protected from what would be other teams grabbing them? I believe four. So four. Um, yeah. and, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Six can have any amount of service time? That's correct. Originally, the CBA signed in March gave uh, the expanded practice squad of 12 players two positions that could be players with any amount of service. So basically what they've done is added four players who can have any amount of service to the practice squad. And four is the number that you can protect from being poached by another team. So basically <laughs> they've added just four players of any type. Right 
to the practice squad that you can protect as if they were on the roster. So to be clear here, you have a 53-man roster, which almost goes to 57 with four protected players. And now you're allowed 55 on game day. So good luck to all of our listeners wrapping your head around the new 53, 55, 57-man roster. (laughs) Good luck. Want to get serious for a second here. We had someone in the NFL pass over the past few days, uh, Howard Mudd, and he was with the Colts. Uh, This is a a man who was coach of the Kansas City Chiefs for for a short while. John, I'll let you take over here because you you did the write-up for us. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting story. I, I, I don't remember much about Howard Mudd from those years. Actually, he left the team uh, the year before I started covering the team. So I, I just I just didn't have any personal recollections of the man. But he came to Kansas City from Cleveland, where he had been on uh, Marty Schottenheimer's staff with the Browns and was uh, the offensive line coach for Marty's first three years in Kansas City. Um, and, of course, had some very fine players that he coached up. Uh, that was the first thing the Chiefs did was build up that offensive line. You had players like John Alt and Dave Zott, who's always been one of the finest Chiefs linemen of all time, as far as I'm concerned, although he's generally not as heralded as many others. And, of course, Tim Grunhard uh, were all guys who came in while Howard Mudd was with the Chiefs. And then he went to other teams. He coached for the 49ers. He coached for the Chargers. There's three or four other teams in there. And Andy Reid brought him out of retirement in 2011 to be the offensive line coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. So here is a guy who was an assistant coach for both Marty Schottenheimer and Andy Reid. I mean, that's just not something that you're going to run across very often. Right. And uh, it's just kind of an amazing piece of information that here's this guy who coached for both of these guys who eventually became great Chiefs coaches. I was kind of surprised, actually, we haven't heard from Andy Reid on this. I wonder if we'll be asking him about that when we get our opportunities to talk to talk to him on Friday. Yeah, this will be something, in my opinion, that Andy Reid will jump on right away uh, in his opening statement and address. And, and with how things go in the Kansas City media, I feel like I'm an expert by now. I'm sure Vahe will be on the line asking him mm-hmm. for follow-ups on, on Howard, and we'll get a good Vahe write-up in uh, the Kansas City Star. Uh, Tim Grunhard chimed in and he said, today the NFL lost one of the great O-line coaches and my mentor, Howard, was my first offensive line coach and believed in me and was instrumental in me being drafted to the Chiefs. I love this man as a father, along with countless other offensive line men who played around the league. Uh, My prayers for his family. So there you go, Tim Grunhard. We don't get to talk about him very much, but this seems like a really good time to bring up another guy who also spans the uh, the decades between Marty Schottenheimer and Andy Reid, but he has been with the Chiefs this whole time, and that's Alan Wright, yep. who was a very young man who was carrying water bottles onto the field and stripping tape off of shoulder pads in the Chiefs locker room back in the early 90s, and is now the equipment manager for the team, a really cool guy, and someday he's going to be able to write a book <laughs> that will shock us with all the inside stories of what's occurred during his many years with the Chiefs franchise. 
really cool guy. I always like to mention him when I can because he's certainly been somebody who's been with the team for uh, several periods of illustrious team history. And um, best to you, Alan. We're always glad to, to give you kudos when we can. There's a, they have a couple of, of those type of guys at, at the Chiefs with uh, Mike Davidson, who came before Alan Wright and now is sort of the keeper of Arrowhead Stadium. And of course, Mitch Holtis, who's been there for two decades. The amount of success and failure and heartbreak and now joy that all of these guys have gotten to experience oh, yeah. in, in two years is... It's really incredible when you think about the spectrum there. So anyway, there you go. Howard Mudd uh, unfortunately passes here and our hearts go out to his family at Arrowhead Pride. All right, we're going to take a a quick break and and welcome Ron Kopp on to talk about opt-outs and what they might mean for the future of your Kansas City Chiefs. Keep it locked in with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, John Dixon, Pete Sweeney, and we are pleased right now to be joined by one of our great writers at Arrowhead Pride, Ron Kopp. Ron, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, second time being on, so I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> it's two more than most people, so that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I want to get into your article from the other day, and, and it was a look at what some of these opt-outs, Chiefs have three, what they mean for the future past 2020. And let's start with the first opt-out that we heard from in the NFL. It was a, a Friday night, which I didn't necessarily appreciate. Thank you, uh, Larry. But uh, Larry <laughs> opted out and decided, okay, I'm going to stay in Montreal, do the right thing, continue to fight coronavirus as an orderly, using the experience that he has from earning his medical degree. Anyway, the Chiefs are left without a, a right guard, a battle we'll talk about in a few minutes here. But what does this opt-out mean for the future, in your opinion, Ron? So I think it, you, you hit on it a little bit right there. Uh, there's someone else that needs to play right guard this season, and that just opens up opportunities for whoever wins that position uh, to kind of prove themselves. I mean, we've talked about continuity. We talk about how important it is to keep an offensive line together. Well, what happens if, uh, you know, a right guard really fits in and gels with this group and they play really well together this year? I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to, uh, you know, insert LDT back into the lineup if we do have a right guard that plays really well this year and, you know, right. with another Super Bowl or whatever. So um, so we're talking about three different guys that it looks like could be the guy. Um, I think with Remmers, he's 31 years old. Um, you know, if he does fit in and play well the whole season, he's a starter. I, You know, it's hard to see him, you know, uh, taking over next year because it's only a one-year deal for, deal for him this year. Um, you know, he's, he's older. He's as old as LDT. So, you know, that's probably, that's probably not much of an issue. But the issue comes with Wiley or Rankin. Mm-hmm. Now, if Wiley does well this year, he's a restricted free agent after 2020. Uh, a team could match, you know, a team could try to offer him a contract, and the Chiefs would have to match that if they want to keep him. And if you and you have to know if you want to keep him, is he going to be a starter? Are you going to put him back behind LDT? Because LDT is making $4.75 million next year in 2021. 
and his dead cap number is $6.75 million, so that doesn't really make it possible to cut him. Um, so if you do want to have someone get over him on, at the starting position, uh, you're going to have to keep LDT on while you start somebody else. And uh, Wiley, like like I just said, as being an unrestricted free agent, you'd have to re-sign him. You'd have to right. give him a contract. And that just makes it a little tough. Um, and then with Rankin, Rankin's contract isn't up until after 2021. So that gives you a little time. But, hey, if he starts this year and he plays really well, you're just going to send him back to the bench on his contract year. Uh, you know, it, it's just it makes it a little messy next offseason, especially with LDT's age. You know, he's turning 30 in 2021 while Rankin and Wiley are both going to be in their mid-20s. So that's what makes it a little tough. Quick point about Rankin. Right now, he's on the PUP. If he is going to maybe win that job, first thing he has to do is get off there. I know our at Pride Nerd Squad has really liked that hide for Rankin trade. It, at first, it looked like maybe the Chiefs had made a mistake when running back after running back were going down and Hyde was busy running for 1,000 yards in Houston. But eventually, when you win the Super Bowl, that doesn't matter. And so now the Chiefs got a really good offensive lineman option there. And I think what's a microcosm of your point, Ron, here is the fact that in the Super Bowl run, Andrew Wiley goes down, Wisniewski goes in at left guard, and Wiley eventually was healthy. But you know what? The offensive line was rolling. And that could happen on a year-to-year basis, too. If, if the offensive line is really gelling this year, you're going to maybe want to keep that combination together next year. So yeah, LDT could be, be out of the job. Uh, John, before we move on to the next one, do you have a point? Yeah, I was going to say that uh, at some point, too, the Chiefs are going to have to start figuring out a way to get these young guys involved. Yeah. I mean, they can't, if they're going to be contenders for the coming seasons, they're going to have to find ways to get the young guys involved. And, and Ron, you make great points about the salary cap problems that they have. What if LDT comes back and plays next season at right guard, his usual position, after Wiley, for example, plays at right guard this year? And then in 2021, with LDT back at right guard, Wiley goes back to left guard, where he played in 2019 and didn't play as well as a lot of people would have liked to see, but maybe he could make that switch and be better in 2021. Because, again, it's fine to talk about the salary cap stuff. It's all important. And you're exactly right. It's going to be very difficult for the Chiefs to move on from LDT in 2021. But they also have to, at some point, start building these young linemen into the roster or we're going to have real problems down the line. Yeah, I, I tend to think also too, and you'll hear me and I'll reiterate this point when I, I talk about battles in the next segment. I don't think left guard is a battle. I think it's Kalecchio Semele at this point. And how does he factor into it too? If he has a really good year, I think he's going to want to come on board. He's only a one-year contract guy. He's already talked about wanting to sort of pseudo finish his career in Kansas City. So that adds an interesting wrinkle in it as well because you talk about, oh, well, Wiley can slide back over. Well, maybe he can't. You know, maybe he right. can't when LDT right. comes back. Right. So we go from a 29-year-old opt-out in LDT to a 21-year-old opt-out in rookie Lucas Niang. What do you got, Ron? Well, the thing with Niang and, you know, it, the, the good news with Niang is we know about his, his hip surgery he had, to, he had to deal with last season. You know, in the middle of the football season, all of a sudden he, uh, you know, he took off to get that surgery. And, you know, he did tell us after he was drafted, he told the reporters that he was 100% ready to go. You know, he's good to go. He's ready. But, you know, it, it, it's all, it hasn't even been a full yeah. year since the surgery. I'm sure, you know, taking another year off, that'll help. I mean, I'm sure that'll help him just feel better physically and all that. But the, the real problem I saw with this, 
And I kind of, I, I, you know, I thought about it immediately is because, you know, we, we have a big decision to make about Eric Fisher uh, next offseason. You know, he has, if the Chiefs were able to cut him next offseason because they do feel comfortable with whoever could play left tackle in 2021, um, they'd save $11.5 against the cap. And that's a huge number, uh, especially right now when you're trying to figure out all these contracts we have to do coming up. Uh, and then you have, you know, the Mahomes and the Jones deal now with it. So that's right. a lot of money that is needed uh, for some of these other contracts coming up, honestly. And, you know, Niang was looked at as a guy that, you know, he was drafted in the third round without the injury. Maybe he's a first or a second round guy. So he right. he could have he been capable. He could be capable to come in here and earn the job eventually. Earn, you know, maybe even over the course of this year, the coaches see him in practice. They see him kind of you know, starting to look a lot better. And maybe they're thinking, hey, he can take over for Fisher in 2021. Now you don't get that luxury. You don't get to see him in practice every day. You don't get to see him in the, the film room. You don't get to, and I'm sure they'll have some sort of communication. I honestly don't really know how that works. Uh, maybe there isn't any communication at all during the season. But I just know that, uh, yeah, I, if he's not going to be in the, the the film room, the the coach's room all, you know, just learning with the team and kind of gelling with the team too during the season, it'll be a lot harder to make that call to cut Fisher and have Niang take him over for 2021. What I find interesting about this, and this is really a benefit for the Chiefs, is I just don't think he was going to crack the offensive line this year. I know Brett Feach had, had commented how he can maybe play guard and then work his way to tackle, but I just don't think you do that. And so you get an extra year out of Niang's rookie contract, so there is a slight benefit at a very deep position all of a sudden. Somehow we went from Cam Irving, I've joked about this before, somehow we went from Cam Irving as the only depth to a really, really deep offensive line room. And that, to me, is a benefit where you, you don't need to necessarily shove him in, even if he was here. My understanding when you opt out is you're just out for until next year, right? Until the next offseason. So I, I, I don't anticipate to him to be at the facility now. I'm sure that there's guidance that the coaches provide, but the Chiefs are really going to have to see what they have when the next cycle starts. I think the it's just the issue of just not being able to make the decision on Fisher. I think it's really just you have no knowledge and you have to make that decision on Fisher before you can even see Niang on the field right. again or right. next summer. And it's just, you know, uh, it, the easy part is to just say, all right, let's, let's keep Fisher, you know, let's just keep it trucking that way. Uh, keep Fisher at left tackle. But yeah, what happens next off uh, next season when, you know, I think Fisher would be 30, 31 years old at that point. What if Niang just outplays him in the, you know, right. in, in training camp or something. And I mean, if you commit that money to Fisher earlier in the off season, you know, maybe it's tougher to get out of that at that point. So it just makes it tougher on the Chiefs. Well, I think this is a case where the Chiefs were drafting for the future with Niang. They're thinking, okay, we've got Eric Fisher, who's going to be uh, possibly gone from our roster after 2021. So let's get this guy in here and get him developed. And the coronavirus has just thrown a big monkey wrench in that and in some ways made that situation worse. Final opt-out is, of course, Damian Williams. He is choosing to stay in California to help his mom as she goes through cancer treatments. The team has thrown their full support behind him, but it does leave a big hole for the Chiefs. Luckily, they drafted a running back in the first round, and who thought during draft season we would be muttering the words, luckily, the Chiefs drafted a running back in the first round. <laughs> Not a popular opinion among Chiefs Twitter, but here we are. It does make an interesting dilemma, I think, for next year, though, Ron. 
Yeah, and I would definitely have been one of those people, not a huge fan <laughs> of the fact that they were taking running back in the first round. But, you know, hey, it worked out like you said. It, it, it did because uh, he, Clyde edwards Slayer is going to be the workhorse back. But, you know, for this offense, you always kind of need one of those complimentary backs. I think we've noticed that. I think we've seen that, you know, even when Andy first got here. You know, there was Niall Davis, and then you, you had your Sharkandrick West and Spencer Wares that had to step up. Um, so he he likes to have those the solid complementary backs that he can lean on. And this year is going to be kind of a tryout for DeAndre Washington and Darrell Williams. Both of their contracts are up after this year. Um, I they they're going to have to make a decision on one of you know one or both of them uh, at the end of this year, and they're going to have to make that decision without knowing where Damien's at physically, without what he's going to look like you know on the field. Um, you know, he is getting a little older. You know, he's still in his 20s, which is good. He's he's creeping closer to 30. I think he'll be 30 in 2022. So he's got a couple more years. Um, but he is get, he is creeping closer. And that that number at running back is a little, uh, you know, it's a little wary. You know, you don't want yeah. your running backs to be that old. Um, so that's why it's kind of it, it's kind of tricky for them. You know, you got to. You, you have to sign, you know, if you want to keep Washington or Darrell Williams, you're going to have to sign one of them. And if, if you're in, in your head, if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to have this guy behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, well, then what's going to happen with Damian Williams? Um, you know, he's owed probably, I think, about $3 million in 2021. Um, and, you know, you're going to have to make that decision on Darrell Williams and DeAndre Washington before you see, kind of like Niang, before you see him on the field um, in the, in the offseason. You're going to have to make that decision. So, right. you know, you, you, if, you, if you like Darrell Williams and DeAndre Washington – uh, during their performance in the season, it'll just be hard to see, you know, in a, in a normal season, you'll be able to see how well they're progressing against Damon Williams, you know, maybe one of them separating themselves from him. But now you're not going to be able to see that comparison. You're not going to be able to tell if they are performing a lot better than Damien. And maybe, you know, you don't, you're not going to know whether you need to just move on from those two and keep Damien and keep trucking, or if you need one of those two, it'll, it's just, a, it, it'll just be tough. You know, the backup running back in Carolina, I believe his name is Reggie Bonifan. You know, you say that to a casual NFL fan and they go, who? who? And so I think best case scenario for the Chiefs, and I, I, I think I'm the first one to coin this, and, and, and I, I looked, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I think Clyde can be a baby CMC, and I think that's what the Chiefs foresee for him. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a, a scenario here, and don't get me wrong, Ron, I, I love that detail, but like... Clyde could have a year here where Damien becomes a, a big afterthought and not just Damien, just anyone after him. And you're saying, well, whoever's in place is going to be fine here. Now he might just have a modest year. I, I don't think anyone's expecting him to have a bad year. And then, you know, maybe the chiefs are operating like Philadelphia where they have this running back by committee style thing and, and RB two becomes more important. But I, I think Deandre probably has an opportunity here to really solidify that role. I think he has the skill set that maybe fits Clyde a little bit more than, than Damian Williams has. And again, it's tough to keep your job if you're not here. You understand why he, he decided to opt out. But this is, at least for his Chiefs future, a really tough decision when it, when it comes to trying to figure out, is he really going to have a role here next year? It also could make it a little easier in the sense that, you know, if, you're, if Clyde does have a great year and he is this great back and we already know he's going to be a great back moving forward, you know, you can you can just move on from DeAndre Washington, Darrell Williams, know that you have a back that knows your system and Damian Williams coming back. And then you have a Darwin Thompson who still has another year left uh, before right. we have to make a decision on him. So it actually, it could make it easier on those uh, decision, you know, for Darrell Williams and DeAndre Washington. 
But at the same time, you know, if they do feel the need to have that complimentary back, it'll just be, you know, because Damian Williams is a good back, but so are Daryl and DeAndre Washington. So it'll be hard to make a decision on the three of them, especially if one of them you hadn't seen on the field for a year. Well, we need to bookmark the uh, story we wrote with the list of all the players <laughs> who opted out of the 2020 season because a year from now we're going to be able to write another one right. that shows what percentage of them never got back to their previous teams. And I think that percentage may end up being pretty high when you put in, because these, these situations are happening all across the league, not just with the chiefs. Everybody's going to have these kinds of problems with the lower salary cap next year. And, uh, and then all this uncertainty about where players are at after they've been on the couch for an off for a full season. It really is about what have you done for me lately? And then, right. I mean, we, we know that and it's, it, you know, it, it's going to be, these guys are going to be, you know, distant memories if, you know, there is a big season where they're, you know, the per- people that fill in for them do have big years and stuff and have good performances. You know, it's tough, but it, th- these players might be distant memories by uh, December or January. So. Those are the words of one of our great writers at ArrowheadPride.com, Ron Cop. You can follow him on Twitter at Ron underscore Cop. Catch his great work at ArrowheadPride.com. Coming up next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, we'll get into the top three camp battles to watch and the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. Great stuff from Ron Kopp on the last segment. We're wrapping up today's show with my top three Training camp battles to watch. Uh, number three, we already talked about it almost at nauseum. It's right guard. I think it comes down between Remmers and Wiley. We spoke about it in the last segment, so we don't need to necessarily beat this dead horse. I think Andy Reid goes with the veteran in Mike Remmers. Can make a case for Andrew Wiley because that's his best position there, right guard. But LDT leaves a gaping hole along the offensive line. Yeah, and it's just going to be very interesting to see how that plays out next year because, as Ron noted, uh, there's salary cap considerations there that are going to be very tough for the Chiefs to just move on from LDT. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to, for the Chiefs to figure out how to move forward on that one. All right, so uh, enough offensive line talk for today. My next camp battle to watch is cornerback three. And really, this is cornerback two because – Cornerback one would technically be Bashad Breland. Uh, that goes to Traverius Ward now that he likely won't be there for the start of the season because of the off-field transgressions. So who's going to be your cornerback three on the outside? And it's between guys like Rashad Fenton, like Antonio Hamilton, Alex Brown's a dark horse. Legereus Sneed is a dark horse. Bo Pete Keys is a dark horse. I think Hamilton gets the first opportunity there. I think the Chiefs really liked what he was able to do in New York. He hasn't really got an opportunity there. But Rashad Fenton was a good player for the Chiefs down the stretch last year. So he has a, a real opportunity maybe to, to start on the outside. I know that he's grown trust there. I think the Chiefs are going to be using a lot of three safety looks because frankly, they trust that position a lot more than they do their cornerbacks. But it is going to be a position that they're going to, Chiefs going to need someone to step up. And I, I think the ultimate wild card here in this battle 
is Legere a sneak? Because you're coming off a year where he played safety in college. So how is his transition going to look as a cornerback? And like we've seen with the Chiefs before, and I understand it's a, a later pick in the draft, but Sneed could show in, in these next two or three weeks that he's ready and he's the absolute best option and he might get an opportunity as a rookie. You could always, if, if, if it proves to be too much for him, yank him out, but he has the confidence and the Chiefs seem to have confidence in him. Yeah, I, I agree. You just never know about this stuff, but I think in a season where you haven't had the full off-season complement with OTAs and rookie minicamp and all that, it's just going to be really hard for a rookie to step up and and make that kind of a case to be someone who's in the mix right away. Um, you like Antonio Hamilton here. I prefer to think they're going to go more with Rashad Fenton in this role just because he did play extremely well last year when he saw the field as a rookie, and I think they're going to want to develop that guy. I, I, I have always seen Hamilton as a guy that they saw as a special teams player yeah, uh, but you make a good point that he he did play some really impressive games for the Giants last year, and he could in fact be uh, clamoring to get in on the field as a cornerback. But I just think that Fenton would have the. We're going to disagree about this. I just think that Fenton has a better shot. Yeah, you might be right. And and one thing that I think sometimes hurts players that are fringe guys ish like Hamilton. I don't know if that's a word, John. You can look that up for me. Um, but. Uh, the fact that he's so good at special teams, like the Chiefs really want to have a, a gunner that they can get behind. And Hamilton has shown that ability. And so is he going to be a good enough cornerback where maybe you're not going to want him as the gunner? That's where my theory on him being in that position, it gets a little shaky. Right. Now, that being said, I, I do think he'll get the first crack. I really do. I think this is going to be something where they're going to want to see Fenton reps. They're going to want to see Hamilton reps. Sucks for the Chiefs in the sense that they don't have preseason games to, to look at. So they're really going to have to make the decision where it's a benefit for them is they have some of the best wide receivers in the league. There's other teams that could say that, like in the Dallas Cowboys. We ran our arrow headlines this morning where people are touting the Cowboys offense. But yeah, hard for other teams who have forward. wide receivers that just aren't as talented as teams like Dallas and Kansas City because it's, it's just going to be tough to, to judge who can really hang. Because, you know, if you put Rashad Fenton on the field and he's hanging with Hill or Watkins, who, who, who are you worried about in the league aside from maybe three yeah. guys? Right. Yeah. So wish, wish we could, wish we could be there to watch it. Unfortunately, the way that <laughs> training camp has turned out, not doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Uh, and then my last and, and most important training camp battle is left defensive end. I think there's a real opportunity here for someone to make an impact on the Chiefs. We know the rest of their line is is going to be borderline historic with Chris Jones, Nadi, and Frank Clark. They're talking some of the best defensive lines of all time. So who's going to be that fourth man? Comes between Alex Okafor and Tano Passigno, in my mind. Okafor coming off the injury. We found out a little bit how the Chiefs feel about Okafor. Maybe not as confident in him as we once thought with the restructure that he was at, had to take you know, just a few days ago. Tano Passigno is coming into his own. Edge has been a, a, a position what, that Andy Reid has, has in the past. It's been just one of importance for him. And that comes with quarterback, offensive line, and players that can impact the core, the quarterback. And so it is, it is a, a point to watch. And like 
in the cornerback battle, this edge battle has some dark horses too. I think about Breland Speaks. I think about Taco Charlton. You know, we talked a little bit about the other day. Uh, Mike Dana comes there. I don't see Dana being the guy, but who knows if Breland Speaks and his new bod come in and they're re- and he's ready to go and all of a sudden maybe he can start to push these guys taco charlton this is a player who it's his last chance it's his really it, this is it i mean he was spit out by dallas we just talked about the cowboys he was spit out by dallas spit out by miami they were not had no interest in, in bringing him aboard now taco uh, who was once a first round pick is back with frank clark like he was at michigan maybe it sparked something in him uh, the good thing about all these positions is the Chiefs have a couple options, so you hope that they get one that sticks in each of them. And again, that's when you're impacting the quarterback, it's almost as important as having a quarterback, and so that's why it's my number one battle to watch. And of course, it's starting to seem like an embarrassment of riches at defensive end all of a sudden when you think about the possibility that Speaks could take a step forward this year if you got a guy like Charlton. So let's remember that a lot of these guys are also going to be spelling Clark on the other side that however this plays out you know we're going to have somebody who starts across from clark and presumably a healthy clark we you didn't have that last year right right that was an issue last year and so we're going to need to have depth behind clark in case there's a repeat of that kind of a problem where he gets sick which of course is also a possibility for any player on the team so uh, you know they're actually in really good shape at defensive end and we haven't even talked about tim ward as we talked about on Tuesday, where he's a guy that the Chiefs felt very strongly about, had him on a, essentially a red shirt season last year, and actually could take a step forward this year, but he's going to have the same problem yeah. that a player like Nigerius Sneed has. Ward is a guy that I look toward. Remember how Charvarius Ward came in toward the end of the season? Ward is a guy that actually needs to get back into football shape and needs to be in the system and needs the mm-hmm. reps and needs to be a practice. And I almost look at Ward as... If one of these positions isn't working out toward the middle of the year, that might be a guy you see out of the blue step yep. in and you're and you're like, Tim Ward just got that sack? Who? You know, it's one of those. <laughs> yeah. And and he's he's gonna be, I think, lingering there. You talk about fifty-three and, and the fifty-seven man roster, that Ward is certainly a guy to me who who has a spot. Uh mm-hmm. same thing with Dana and not necessarily guys who are gonna contribute, but Dana was drafted. Ward, they're super high on and kept them around for more than 365 days. Of course, they're going to be on this team. Uh, and so, anyway, three training camp battles to watch. Right guard, uh, cornerback two or three, whatever you want to call it. Left defensive end, uh, in my opinion. All right, John, I know you love this segment. Best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And I was watching Good Morning Football. And, of course, they're comparing the Chiefs to the New England Patriots again. They love to do this now. Everybody wants to they the next dynasty. Are they the next franchise to watch? Of course, they just won the Super Bowl. So you're going to start to get this sometimes. We saw it with the Packers and Saints, who are unsuccessful in becoming the next Patriots. So, as you would expect on Good Morning Football, and no disrespect to these guys, but, of course, Schrager went all in with the Chiefs being <laughs> the next Patriots. Uh, Kyle Brandt. Of course, played devil's advocate in saying that Tyreek Hill, uh, let's see how he handles his contract that's stemming from Sammy Watkins' willingness to, to take a restructure. But here's the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. Listen to Nate Burleson's answer. I just think it was an angle when it came to this topic that we have not heard necessarily before. Nate Burleson. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Listen, when it comes to these guys becoming a dynasty like the Patriots, I'll answer that question a decade from now. But from a financial standpoint, are they starting to adopt some of the things that we've seen the Patriots do, which is guys take less so they can have a better team? I said the answer is no. The Chiefs aren't the new Patriots or turning into the Patriots. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, and they're rewriting the blueprint of what success looks like. Peter touched on it. They gave Sammy Watkins a lot of money. I commend him for coming out and speaking in a way that most players should, team over money first. But let's be very clear, they broke him off early. So Sammy Watkins, he got some M's in the bank. And when it comes to these other players, uh, mm -hmm. Honey Badger, Tyree Keel, Travis Kelsey, mm -hmm. and of course, Pat Mahomes, defensive side of the ball, Frank Clark, all these different dudes that they broke off, Chris Jones, they all got money. So what I feel like the Chiefs are doing is something that is different. The reason I said they're rewriting the blueprint is because if they love you, if they like you, they're going to pay you. And then they'll deal with stuff on the back end. I think that's the best way to do it. Listen, if you're a team and you know that you have a chance to be successful, why not say, you know what, Sammy Watkins, we like the way you run routes. You could anchor this wide receiver core until we build around it. We're going to give you as much as you deserve. Maybe even more than what you could have received on the market. Excuse me, I'm getting emotional about Sammy Watkins and his money. But when it comes to <laughs> them getting, giving him money, at the end of it, they, they come at him and say, all right, we broke you off. You made some money. Now let's adjust it. I honestly believe that's the best way an organization can treat a player. Give them a lot of money up front, front load the contract, and then at the back of it, you say, you know what, we're gonna have to adjust it. If you wanna stay here, and you wanna win some more, and have a chance of being a champion again, I think this is the new blueprint, and I love it. So there you go, Nate Burleson. John, you were shaking your head the entire time. <laughs> well, this is, this is par for the course for Nate Burleson. He's always in favor of the players going out and getting paid. He says it right. all the time. Go out and get your money. Get your money. And uh, so I'm not at all surprised that he loves this idea of just, play, just paying players all the money in the world, and then we'll I, come back and adjust it later. I, it's like, really? It stuck, <laughs> it stuck with me because it, it just is a, it, it noted how different the Chiefs are operating here as they try to build the dynasty, where if they really like a player, I, I think like you saw with Tyron Matthew and, and Frank Clark, they're going out and they're spending the competitive money. With Watkins, it got to a point at the end of his deal where they essentially could walk away from it. And they're, in, in a sense, giving the player the option. Do you want to try to hashtag run it back with us? If so, we need you to do X. Same mm -hmm. thing a little bit with Alex Okafor, where mm -hmm. they, they went, and, and to, an, to a lesser extent. And it's this new idea that says, yeah, to get them into Kansas City, we're going to have to do X, X, and X. We know they're going to love it here under Andy Reid. We know they're going to love competing for championships. Let's worry about tweaking it at the back end, right? And, and so, interesting strategy, and, it, and it's new. And that's why, to me, it's the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. Well, it's, it's in some ways new. I, 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 you're right about the Okafor contract. Is that is the same? I think I mentioned this when we talked about it on Tuesday. It's it essentially the Patrick Mahomes effect. You know, they go to him and say, "Look, you're on the roster bubble this year because we've got all these guys who can play defensive end, like we were just talking about, and we don't know if we can afford to pay you uh, the money that you make on a seven point right. two million dollar cap hit, and we've got to worry about next year." And Okafor says, "Okay, fine." I'd like to stay. I'd like another chance at a championship with Patrick Mahomes. And so give me a bunch of incentives so that I have at least an opportunity 
to make something like I was going to make this year. I'd rather do that than be on the street. And you have a better chance if you really want to get the monster contract. You have a better chance with right. a great team than you would ever do going right. with a one-year prove-it with a team that's a bum team, not getting attention. Maybe you're the best player on that team, so you're getting extra attention from the offensive linemen in, in this case. So, and, and I think, honestly, that the Chiefs aren't hoping that Alex Okafor gets that money. I think the Chiefs are just keeping Okafor around so that if things don't work out with all of these younger players that they have right. in the pipeline at defensive line, that they can put him in there. And, uh, and if, he, if that's the way it plays out, they're perfectly happy to pay him the money to play that position and let him have those incentives, which won't count against the cap until next year, and they'll worry about it then. But really, a, a lot of what the Chiefs are doing right now uh, with the exception of some of these things that you've mentioned, I, I'll, I'll go along with that, that there are some aspects to this that are different. But, um, you know, much of what they have done in the offseason has been right down the line, the Patriots plan, where you get these guys in there on veteran uh, salary benefit contracts. And what do we got, like six or seven of these guys that are playing on deals where they're actually being paid more than they count against the, the cap? I mean, this is the kind of thing that the Patriots have done for years. Bring in these players like Mike Remmers, for example, I think might not have come here right. uh, except for uh, playing for the Chiefs. Uh, maybe Assembly. He certainly seems very happy to be here. And we haven't seen the details on his contract yet, but there's some evidence that suggests he's also on a veteran salary benefit contract. And I'm not sure he'd have done that anyplace else. So... Yeah, I, there are some aspects to what the Chiefs are doing that are different, but they're also in the first season after building to that point. And I think it's hard to uh, really draw too many conclusions about it, especially if your attitude, as Burleson's is, that the players should always get all the money. <laughs> Look for the Arrowhead Pride invite on Facebook. Burleson versus Dixon boxing match coming <laughs> you soon. All right. It is training camp weekend. We're excited. The pads get on on Friday. We'll keep you updated as we can at arrowheadpride.com. He is John Dixon. You can catch him at Arrowheadphones on Twitter. You can catch me at PG Sweet. Of course, follow Arrowhead Pride on Twitter, twitter.com slash arrowheadpride. That easy. Of course, AP will keep you connected as we go through this and try to figure out exactly how the Chiefs plan to run it back. We appreciate Ron Kopp. And we thank you for joining us on today's Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 